It is good to be here today. Uh, this time last week, uh, Lorraine and I had the privilege of being in Berlin, um, where some friends of ours have moved just a year ago, Cedric and Audrey Hobbs, some of you know them, um, and uh, they felt, they're in their early 60s, but uh, they felt having given themselves to serve the Lord round here, because they've been part of our team in OCC for 20 odd years, um, that God wanted them to go on an adventure, and uh, so they, they sort of uh, packed up their house and led it out during this last year to some of the students who were at the Bible College and went off to Berlin not knowing quite where they were going, what they should be doing, how to position themselves, but they felt that God had given them a vision for just one particular part of the city, uh, former East Berlin, um, where there are no churches. Berlin is a happening city, city as many of you may know. Uh, it's very exciting and it's a great city and uh, there's tons of things happening there. But in this particular sector of the city that they've landed in, uh, there is nothing really, not much in terms of, well, there's nothing in terms of a spiritual or Christian background, totally atheistic sort of for decades and decades. Uh, and it's that area that they feel that God uh, wanted them to go and live. He opened up an apartment for them. Uh, uh, an old friend from years ago helped them settle in. And uh, they've just established themselves in that part of the city. They are doing hugely well. Um, and they've teamed up with a couple of other couples who also want to plant a church. And they've just had several parties through this last year just to get to know lots of different people in the block of flats that they're living in and uh, they teach English, they offer English courses really, really cheap uh, in a local community centre and, uh, uh, and Audrey does sort of dance and things like that. They've just, they just got stuck into the community and things are happening around them. A couple of weeks ago, it happened to be their 40th wedding anniversary. And uh, so they decided to throw a party. I mean, what do you do? You throw a party, don't you? So they threw a party and they invited just about everybody uh, that they could think of inviting from the English lessons they'd done and from uh, um, the dance lessons that Audrey goes to and in their apartment block and so on. And they had 60 visitors at at their 40th wedding anniversary party. Uh, and so they decided to tell them the story of their marriage. Well, the great thing was that Cedric and Audrey had met on a uh, paddle steamer on the Rhine. That was their, that was their dramatic meeting. That's where they had met. Uh, and they sort of bumped into one another. They were both doing a year out as students at the time, and uh, they, they met there on the Rhine. That was their great romantic story. So they started off with this huge romantic story, which caused one, everybody over. And uh, they, they, you know, people just thought this was a great story. And then, but they, they weren't Christians at that point. They became Christians later. So they told the story of also how they then 
uh, found God. Now, to most of the people who are there, God is an unknown concept. I mean, or at least if you've heard the name, they don't believe in him at all. So they just, uh, just told the story of how they found God, what had happened, what a difference that had made to their marriage, and how it had affected their family, and all the rest of it. And they just told the story of, the, you know, the 40 years, as it were, what we got. They really outed themselves, because lots of their friends didn't actually know that they were Christians. So they've outed themselves once and for all. And, um, but you know what? I have never seen Cedric and Audrey um, look so happy. Uh, I mean, we have worked together for years and years and years. And Cedric and Audrey are thoroughly evangelistic people and love telling people about Jesus. But, but they're several notches up from what they were here. Uh, I mean, they're just doing a great job, and the favor of God is on them. And they say, you know, can this really be work? This is, we're enjoying this so much. And I have to say they're living very frugally because, uh, because well, because they are. They're living very frugally, uh, but they're giving themselves to people left, right, and center. And they are an example of people who are giving themselves generously. And actually... What we're going to talk about is what it says here on the, on, on the PowerPoint, living generously. But this is, and we are going to touch money. So as soon as you know, we get money coming up, uh, you know, there's a sort of switching off that goes on. But, but what I want to encourage as we think about this thing about living generously is, is that this is a state of heart and of, and of mind. And it's not just about money. It does include money. Because if you're talking about generosity, it has to include money. But it includes a lot more. It includes time and resources and life and sharing and the gospel. And I would say that Cedric and Audrey at the moment are living as generously as I have ever seen them live and hugely enjoying it. And, the, and, and Audrey said to us, I mean, and she's like, you know, like um, the cat that got the cream. Um, you know, I mean, she just, she just sort of says, you know, I feel a bit of a fraud, really. We're enjoying this so much. And, uh, you know, it's just wonderful to see. So if you know them, I know some of you do know them, pray for them. Uh, actually, at the moment, they're back home because Audrey is having a hysterectomy this week. So do pray for them. But they want to go back. They want to let their house again this next week. Uh, and, um, you know, they, 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 they really feel they should be back there too. And if any of you want to go and live there generously for a year... Why not? They would love to have some more people alongside them. There's, there's, an, there's another fabulous couple that they're working with that we met last Sunday uh, who are, I mean, just expansive people who want to, you know, just want to see the kingdom come in this very atheistic background. And, uh, but they just need a few more troops to make a few more friends and to have a few more conversations and all the rest of it. I mean, the, you know, the bus is moving, but if you want to go and spend a year, uh, you know, give yourself generously to this situation, um, well, it will be a marvellous thing to do. Uh, I was going to say, come and talk to me, but that's not a lot of use because I'm going to Zimbabwe this afternoon. But come and talk to the leaders here and they'll put you in touch with, with the people. Um, turn in your Bibles, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, actually, I am starting today a two-part. This is the first of a two-part series, and Steve Jones is going to 
continue next week and fill in all the gaps of what I haven't managed to say this week. But I did actually write a book uh, uh, last year on this theme of living generously because it is something that I think is very, very important for us as the people of God that we learn how to carry the heart of God. Um, these books are normally sold for £3.50. There's a box full here. But this morning, to you, the church here are willing to subsidise it by 50 pence, and so you can have it for just £3. It's an absolute bargain. It should be twice the price, let me tell you. Um, but at £3, it's absolutely knocked down. The only thing is, if you take that, a book and that subsidy, you must say, you commit yourself to read it. Okay, but most of what we want to say is actually uh, in this book. I heard a fabulous story just yesterday because the last few days Lorraine and I happened to have been in France at a leaders conference and you know the French crusades perhaps the crusades are not the best part of our history or the best sort of stories to refer to at all but uh, during the French crusades the French crusaders sort of got rather weakened and decided at a certain point that they needed to take on mercenaries in their sort of crusading army. Uh, and so they, they sort of were hiring in a whole bunch of mercenaries, but you know that the Crusades, were, it was a religious war. And the problem with these mercenaries was that they weren't baptised. And I thought this would be a useful illustration since we've just had three baptisms, it so happens. And I think they're wonderful, don't you? And the testimonies we've heard have been fabulous today. Um, and, uh, but these mercenaries weren't baptized. And so they said, well, no matter, let's baptize them now, uh, you know, before they go uh, on the crusade. So they got all these mercenaries and took them down to a river and baptized them. But, but uh, the mercenaries went under the water with everything except their swords, right? So they were immersed, holding their swords out of the water. Because they said, we are happy for everything to belong to Christ except our swords, And they held their swords studiously out of the water so that they could not say that they had committed their use of the sword to Christ. Isn't that interesting? And I sort of made, it sort of made me wonder as I heard that story whether in our minds there are certain things, you know, we go down in the water and we say everything except Well, except what? It could be money or time or family or career. It could be lots of things. So we commit everything to Jesus except one thing that we want to keep out of the water. We don't want that to be baptized into Christ. Otherwise, we are really in trouble now. And I think when we start thinking about this whole area of generosity and money, where in that sort of arena, which becomes very difficult for us, because we all live in the real world and we all need money, but Jesus said, you cannot serve God and money. And it was as clear as that. And it's not that money's wrong, but how it affects us and 
uh, and how it can rule our lives is a danger zone for all of us. So all we're going to try and do today is, is perhaps outline some of the principles. I don't know quite where Steve's going to go with all of this next week, but that's his problem. Oh, it's going to be very practical next week. Oh, so this is the theoretical bit. Okay, so here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That's a general principle. It's not particularly to do with money. It could be to do with farming or gardening or anything else. Just a general principle. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it's written. He's scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform, and that what they were doing was to take an offering to help the poor. Okay, let's be quite clear about this. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, Men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Well, The first thing I want to remind you of, I hope you need no reminding, is that God is a generous God. That's who he is. John 3, 16, which must be the verse that just about everybody knows. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Says it right up front there. God's a generous God. I love 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, which says, Behold... What manner of love the Father has lavished upon us. I love the word lavish. There are some words that just sound good, aren't there? And, you know, we like a lavish buffet, a lavish meal, a lavish party. I mean, it just, you know, it has a feeling of abundance and style and nothing stinted and all the rest of it. And John says, behold, What manner of love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called sons and daughters of God. God's a 
very, very generous God, and he lavishes his love upon us. Psalm 103 is one of my favorite psalms, and I thought to myself, shall I read just a verse or two from that? And you know what? You can't. Because it's so, so good and so, so rich. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires who satisfies your desires with good things. He's not a mean, stingy God who gives you just a little bit of what you want. He says, he satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Some of you young people might not think about this, but some of us older people think about this. This would be really good. That our youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Now, abounding is another of those great words. There's, there, there, there's some words that are called onomatopoeias. That means, who can tell me what, what an onomatopoeia is? Come on, let's have a little English lesson for a moment. Who can tell me what an onomatopoeia is? Yes? It sounds like it is, that's right. Crash, bang, wallop, you know, those sort of smash, splat, all those sort of things. It sounds like what it is. And abound is one of those words as well. It keeps on springing up and springing up, boundy, bound, boingy, boing. You know, it just has that sort of sound to it. And he said, it's abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, etc., etc., etc. This is wonderful stuff. God is a generous God. That's who he is. And look, the kingdom of God takes its nature from the king. Whatever the king is, that's what there is in the kingdom, in his kingdom. One of the things we need to get hold of is that God's kingdom is totally different from this kingdom that we live in and our world. It's, and, and you know what? Jesus used to tell stories to try and convey to people the, the amazing difference of the kingdom of God, that this really was sort of another, a whole other world. And so he told story after story so that we could try and get hold of, you know, and you think of that story of the forgiving king and the unforgiving servant, you know, just masses of debt this guy owed and, and the king just forgave it all. And the guy's a nutter. Because if the king forgives, well then he ends up losing out, doesn't he? And that's exactly the story of the love of God. God's a forgiving God <laughs> at his own cost. It's, forgiveness comes free to us, but it costs Jesus everything. 
And, uh, and, you know, the, the kingdom of God is so unusual. And this, you know, this son, this prodigal son who goes off, spends all his father's stuff and then comes back and expects to be taken in. And they throw a party. They don't just take him in and let him in through the back door. They throw a party and whoa! Because this kingdom is different. And God's a generous God. And so the kingdom is about generosity. It's about love, forgiveness, grace, goodness. I mean, overflowing, abounding love. This is is one of God's a generous God. And we need to get this sort of through our heads, don't we? And understand it's different to how he thinks differently. The way he measures out things, he thinks differently from how we think. Now, when I was trained at home as kids, you know, we had three, I have two siblings, a brother, brother and a sister. I'm the baby of the family. But, you know, when things were divided up at home, we always had some very simple rules. You cut, I choose. That's fair, isn't it? I mean, you know, because um, you know, if you cut and you choose, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't work, all right? You, you, might, you get, might get... So we have this way of measuring things out, which is like this. And, and in our house, we have this simple sort of system between ourselves that Lorraine enjoys doing the cooking. She doesn't like serving, so she cooks, I serve. But then, you, ha- you know, you have several extra people at your table, so you, you, know, you put a few lines in here, don't you? And you... And you you know, you serve it out very, very carefully, very cautiously. You know, and my kids always wonder how I always end up with a bit left in the dish. And it's because I've been careful. Because I didn't want anybody to go without, so I end up with a little bit left in the dish. You know, God is not like that at all. His, his way of measuring is not our way of measuring. Our careful, cautious, uh, you know niggardly calculate calculating now that's a word we need to get rid of right when we're thinking about the kingdom of god god is not a calculating god he says, ten thousand talents forgive it all he's gone off and spent all the inheritance coming home welcome him throw a party spend some more money on him he's not calculating like you and i are calculating that's not the spirit of the kingdom peter says Jesus, how often shall I forgive? Up to seven times. Peter thinks he's been really, really generous. Seven times, that sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, once, you know, well, maybe I can forgive once. We have this proverb, don't we? Twice, once bitten, twice shy. <laughs> Thank you very much. Once bitten, twice shy. That means we'll forgive once, but not a second time. Peter says, I've got this kingdom thing, Jesus. How about seven times? And Jesus says, seven times? How about 70 times seven? Now, I don't think he means you know, 486, 487, 488, 400, 490. That's it. I think he means until you've lost count. I think that's what this means. This is the, and we've got to get our heads into... God's head, if that's possible. And get our hearts into God's heart, or get God's heart into our heart, and start to think differently about the kingdom. God is a generous God. So that's the very first principle. And the question is, are we like Scrooge, or are we like God? You know, we, what, who are we really like? Uh, how does this work for us? Okay. Second thing I want to say, or this is my first main point, because that was just the introduction, really, is this. We need to understand that all our resources come from God. Everything comes from 
God. God is the author of everything that we have. And in this chapter that we read today, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, which, and I encourage you, I only read about a quarter of what I could have read this morning, but if you read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 daily between now and next Sunday when Steve speaks, that would be really very, very good. You won't enjoy it all. Because there is a massive, massive amount just in those two chapters about this spirit of generosity. Um, But here we have an understanding that all our resources come from God. Now, look at verse 8. And I'm going to keep referring back to this verse because this is my favorite verse of this chapter. Okay. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things... At all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. There are four alls and two everys in that verse. This is a verse of abundance. The basis says, God, if you're generous, God's able to make all grace abound to you, all grace abound to you, all grace abound to you, at every time, having everything you need. And you may say, well, that doesn't seem to be my experience. I seem to run out regularly. And the question the Bible would ask you, and God would ask, well, perhaps you're not being generous enough. Because in the Bible, giving comes before receiving. And one of the reasons why Mean people don't really receive the blessing of God. You may sound, that sounds severe, but it's what the Bible says. Mean people don't really receive the blessing of God is because why would God give it to you if all you're going to do is store it up for yourself? That's not the reason why he gives you stuff. And we'll, again, come to that in a moment. But what we need to understand is all our resources come from God. Everything that we have, it comes from God. So strength and skills to work, that comes from God. Uh, families comes from God. Time, talents, and money come from God. This is the stuff that God has given to us. That's why, if you're working in business, you better pray about your day's work. Because what you need is not more skills, but for faith for productivity. Right. Because you can work all day, and how many of us have this experience that we work all day, and we think at the end of the day, Well, bother. I haven't stopped, but I don't know what I've achieved. You know, I've done this, 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 and this, and it happens to all of us. I have those days, and I think, I've been at it all day. What have I got to show for it? I mean, I've done a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of it. None of it feels really productive, or it doesn't satisfy me because it's not producing what I sense that God really wants to produce And so the thing we have to have is faith for productivity. Faith for labor that does the job, that accomplishes what we want. Because frustration is something that has come into this world because of the fall. You understand that, don't you? So Adam and Eve in the garden, ground gets cursed, weeds grow up. Frustrating thing about gardening is the weeds grow faster than the grass. Isn't that true? Faster than the flowers. You know, they, they do. And you're constantly trying to deal with the weeds, deal with the weeds, deal with the weeds. That's frustration. 
you plant the flowers and they do grow, but the weeds grow fast. You don't plant them, they grow fast. That's frustration. And there's things that are designed to ruin your day and (laughs) sap all the energy out of you, but don't accomplish anything. So you better start praying about your work and that, you know, get some faith for achieving the productive purpose that your life was intended to accomplish. Now, that's another big sort of story, but haven't got time to do it, go into that. Uh, but that's why, once we pray faith for productivity, we can also pray faith for provision. Because faith for provision somehow is a later prayer than faith for productivity. Okay, all right. All our resources come from God, anyway. It all comes from Him. It doesn't come from us, and anything we do, and anything that we do successfully, doesn't depend on us, it depends on him. That's why whatever our job, whatever our work, we need to be thoroughly rooted in God, so that we can be productive in the work that he calls us to do. Amen? Okay, here's the second principle I want to underline. I'm doing the general stuff, as Steve said, next week will be the practical stuff. Here's the second principle. It is... In verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now what God does is this. He gives us, in terms of his provision, a sack of corn, grain. Now it it comes in terms of money, of course, for most of us now. Because we're not living in a farming community, most of us. But this is the picture that's going on. God gives you a sack of grain, if you're a farmer, what are you going to do with it? Here is the short-term solution. Eat it. That way you'll be healthy and happy today. But tomorrow, what are you going to put in your fields? No, no, no. That's short-termism. Consumerism is short-termism. Okay, but consumerism is the society that we're part of. We'd better not get that deadly infection. Because we'll end up living like everybody else. And the reason all the economies that have crashed around the world crashed is because of our consumerist greed. Which is why we have to pay the price tighten our belts, take the cuts. Sorry, this isn't meant to be a political (laughs) talk. For me, it's common sense. This has very little to do with with politics, but it's pretty common sense that if you are consuming more than you're making, something's got to change. I I don't know how some people can't see it, but anyway, I mean, or or how the Greeks can't see it, or whatever it may be. Do you understand what I mean? Anyway, only for those who are up to sort of what's happening in the European Union. All our resources come from God. We better pray for the ability to be productive and to receive God's provision. The principle of sowing is just meant sowing comes before consuming. In financial terms, giving comes before my selfish pleasure. What I admired about Cedric and Audrey... I have never seen them so happy. It's why I've told the story. I've never seen them so happy. They're living extremely frugally. They're not living a lavish lifestyle. They're not expecting to be paid. They're not looking for that. They're just looking for God to provide their needs to enable them to live where they're living 
and be generous with the good news of Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? So, sowing comes before consuming. Giving comes before my selfish pleasure. There used to be an old, sort of, an old, what they call acronym in in the evangelical church, which went J-O-Y, Jesus first, others next, yourselves last. That's the secret of joy. It's a bit twee, but it has a lot of truth to it. And sometimes the things that are a bit twee or, you know, you've heard proverbs that you've heard several times before, you don't want to hear again, but they have a lot of truth to them. Actually, what God wants to do is to multiply your seed. So every time you get some provision or you get a gift, you say, Father, what do I do with this? Now, normally, the way most of us live, it's just pay the last bill that you still owe. Which probably tells us something about the way we live. Perhaps we need to live a little more frugally in order to be able to be generous. If you get challenged by this week and next week, praise God. That's the general idea. But this is something to do with the kingdom. And so, both Steve and I will be unapologetic about that. Because it's something to do with the kingdom here. But when you get something, you say, "What, God, what do you want me to do with this? Now, the trouble is, most of us live with a month's salary that is committed or overcommitted. And it might take us some time to change our ways. But I want to suggest to you that maybe we need to change our ways. It's called repentance. We change our thinking, and then we change our ways. But this principle of when we get money, we say, God, what do you want us to do with it, is very important. And he might say, I'm very happy for you to have, you know, that laptop that you need or whatever. He might, he might say that. Well, then you know you've received a gift from the Savior. But he might say, well, I want you to give it to that person. I want you to sow this there. I want you to sow that there. And if you have an ear to listening to God, he will be encouraging you to be generous all the time. Um, As a matter of interest, in Ephesians chapter 4, you can look this up later if you want to, the Apostle Paul says to lots of different types of people why they should stop doing the wrong things that they're doing and start doing the right things. At a certain point, he says, let those of you who steal, steal no more. And you might think, oh yeah, well that's, that's right, because we need to live honestly. No, no, he doesn't say that. He says, let those of you who steal, steal no more, but get a job so that you can give to others. Not, so get a job so you can support yourself. Or get a job just so you don't need to steal, but you can amass you know, wealth of your own. No, no. So get a job so you can give to others. Do you see this generosity thing of the kingdom? Right? It's, it's written right through it. Why have you got a job? So you can give to others. Ah. He who gives seed to the sower 
bread to the eater. You're allowed to consume, of course you're allowed to consume, once you've sown. And so one of the things we don't do is let our budget run us. I'm going to get this month, you know, £1,000. I can spend this on this, this on this, this on this, this on this, this on this. Ah, fine, done. Now, for the next 12 months, you're stuffed. Absolutely stuffed, because you can't be generous at all. It's not the kingdom. You're not living the kingdom if you're living like that. Sorry, I'm not trying to unsettle anybody this morning. But if you're living like that, that's not the kingdom. The kingdom is generosity first. Seed for the sower, bread for the eater. I hope this will cause a few lunchtime conversations. Because when we get this, it is a change of lifestyle. Okay. And the third principle is, so the first principle is all our resources come from God. Second is the principle of sowing. Third is the principle of giving. Verse 7. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Giving is not a matter of obligation. I was really glad that Keith took the offering earlier in the meeting and didn't leave it till the last song. Because that would have been manipulative and wrong, you see. Because we need to give as God touches our heart, but we need to open our heart for when he's saying it's time to give. Uh, and this is ever so important, because God does not want manipulation. And one of the, things, the reasons why many of us hate, you know, the, I remember going to a meeting with Lorraine. And uh, this was a sort of revival meeting that we went to in London. The power of God was coming down. It was, I mean, there were, you know, there were all sorts of wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things that were happening. But at a certain point, the guy who was running this show got up and started speaking from Psalm 23 about the goodness and provision of God. After he'd been going about a quarter of an hour, I leaned across to Lorraine and I said, you do understand, don't you, that this is only the pre, pre-offering exhortation. Well, Lorraine was scandalized. I have never seen, well, I've seen Lorraine pretty hot under the collar a few times, of course. <laughs> and, you know, she can puff and pant and go red in the face like most of us. I mean, she started huffing and puffing. She was scandalous. She said, I, you, that can't be true. She, I mean, we're having this little argument in the back of this sort of auditorium, you know, where all this preaching's going on. She said, that can't be true. This is so good. I said, yes, but it's to get you feeling good so that you give generously. We don't want that stuff. That's not kingdom. That sort of manipulation is not kingdom. When the offering bowl, and it, it went on for another 10 minutes, and then the offering bowls went round. I mean, I was quite right. <laughs> was I not? <laughs> And she said to me, you don't put a penny in that offering. (laughs) I said, great. Sometimes the wife is better than the Holy Spirit. Anyway, no, 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 no. Sorry. I shouldn't, shouldn't say these things really, but we don't want any of that. But God does want givers, people whose hearts have been touched. So this week, Lorraine and I are with a couple who are frankly just on their beam ends. And we looked at one another and said, we've got to help them, haven't we? And we said, yeah, we have. The question is, how much? 
That's the question. Not do I or don't I. The question is how much. And so we <laughs> talked about it, said let's go away and pray about it because we're thinking some bigger amounts than we can see handy. That's what God does, isn't it? He, I mean, he wants to touch our hearts with a sense of his generosity, which always gives, because God gives and gives and gives again. And he wants his kingdom to be founded on giving and giving and giving again. And there's a cycle of generosity. And you know, you've heard these testimonies, I'm sure, of people who receive envelopes through the door when they're praying about something. But let me tell you something. The other side of all of those stories is somebody who hears God and puts some money in the envelope and sticks it through the door. And that's what God wants of us. He wants us to be those sort of people who hear God, stick some money in an envelope, stick it through the door, bless others, and they say, praise God! <laughs> and you see this little anonymous note go around in the news sheet. If, if anyone put this envelope through my door, thank you very much. I, we, we are rejoicing because God's answered our prayers. And it's wonderful to feel you've answered God, the prayers of people as well, isn't it? But anyway, that's something else. Okay, the principle of giving. Let God touch your heart, make a decision, give cheerfully. God blesses givers so that they can keep on abounding in every good work, is what this, this, these verses say. Okay. Fourth principle, and then I'm done, is the principle of blessing. Verse 8. Let's go back to verse 8, because let's see it. Let's read it. Can we read this verse again? Because this is a wonderful, wonderful verse. If we get a revelation of this, if you get a revelation of this for your life, and I get a revelation of this for my life. We will undoubtedly live differently. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. I notice there's only one every in there. I said there were two. Uh, in another version of the Bible, there's two everys and four alls. But it doesn't come out in this one that I'm reading. But there's a principle here of blessing. God wants to bless us so that through us he can bless others. He doesn't just want to bless us so we say, praise God, now I can have my laptop. He wants to bless us so that we can bless others, be generous with others. This is the kingdom. I don't know about you, but in the church that I'm part of, whenever I can be here, (laughs) uh, I want us to live like that. I want us to live under the blessing of God, being a people who know how to bless others, give to others, give to the kingdom, see the release of God's life flow. Malachi chapter 3, the prophet prophesies, he says, you're a bunch of robbers and thieves. That's not very comfortable either, is it? You're a bunch of robbers and thieves. And you say, well, why are we robbers and thieves? Well, you're not bringing the full tithes into the storehouse. If you bring the full tithe, the full tithe, the complete tithe into the storehouse, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour down more blessing than you can contain. That's the sort of God we have. He blesses givers. He blesses givers. He blesses givers. He blesses givers. Not people who can't get the wallet out of their pocket, who, who got baptised with it stuck in their hand in the air. 
wallet's the last bit to get baptized. It often is. He blesses givers. So, you have a store of seed. It's not just about money. You have time, talents, service, money, family. You know, your family is one of the tools which you can bless lots of other people. I pray that God gives us a vision of expansive families, generous families, always room at the table for more. And you're already wondering whether it'll go round. It goes round. Yeah, sure, come. People who don't know where they're going to live next year, well, you come live with us. Well, you can come live with us for a few months while you find somewhere. You know, there's something about expansive family life. I remember the time when we had a young man come to our house for tea. It was just very, very ordinary. We just said, why don't you come for tea? A few other people there. And uh, we sat down around the table, and we were just ourselves. We were just family. I mean, family around the table, you know. Food falling around, drinks being knocked over, uh, you know, uh, kids interacting excitedly, having a good laugh together, telling stories about the day. It was the usual sort of family tea. And this guy sat, sat, sat there. Do you, do you always sit around the table? We said, well, yeah. <laughs> we like being together like this. This is what we do. We talk, have fun. He said, this is the first time in my life I've sat at a table. The first time in my life. In our family... We would sit with trays on our laps watching the television. He said, you don't know what this has done for me. That's how we need to live, isn't it? We didn't know we were blessing him. We just said, come and have tea. Come and have tea. Generous, expansive, family life. You've got families like that too. We've got this marvellous thing called the gospel, which we need to be generous with. Oh, yes, the love of God, the grace of God. Everyone needs compassion. I love that song. Everyone does. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never-ending. Let mercy fall on me and let it fall on them at the same time. That's what we want. We've got a fresh opportunity in our missional communities now with our neighbours, friends, to sow generously, sow generously, sow generously, What can I sow? How can I give? How can I bless? Heavenly Father, we do want to pray that you would help us to be a generous people like you are a generous God. Lord, would you please help us? Where we're small-minded, fearful, because we find it hard to give if it means we haven't got anything left. Forgive us for those fears. We're small-minded, fearful, mean in spirit. Would you please change our hearts? Lord, that's the first thing you need to do to change our hearts, change our minds, change our perspectives. Help us to see like you do. So that we can give like you do. Everything. 
time, talents, family, service, money, whatever it may be. Help us to be generous as you're generous, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.